It's wintertime in the Carolinas, and that continues our conversations about some of the sports of winter here on the Carolina Outdoors. Previous segments have had us visiting with some of the North Carolina resorts. If you want to hear them, especially Sugar Mountain and Beach Mountain, you can go to Highlights of the Carolina Outdoors podcast and review those conversations that we had about skiing, snowboarding, ice skating, snow tubing, all of those sports that are taking place. But we wanted to take a moment to delve a little bit into the history and growth of one of those sports, in particularly snowboarding, which compared to ice skating or skiing or even snow tubing is a newer sport. Chris Harden has worked in the industry as a company representative with Southeast Territory Sales for almost 20 years. This Mooresville resident has traveled the Southeast and Mid-Atlantic with snowboards, accessories, hats, and underwear like Saks over at Jesse Brown's Outdoors here in Charlotte and online at jessebrowns.com. Before all of that, he was a professional snowboarder on the circuit, and that gives us a moment to enjoy his knowledge and his history within the sport of snowboarding. And we're going to welcome him to the Carolina Outdoors with Bill Barty right now. Chris Harden, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Man, it's great to have you on here, especially because we talk oftentimes, especially in the wintertime, about the sport of snowboarding. And, of course, you are... Uh, you've been in the industry on multiple levels, which gives us a, a fantastic view. I did a little bit of research and prepping for you too, Chris. And uh, um, you know, snowboarding evolved from the sport of surfing. I had thought it might have come from skiing, but it uh, came from surfing in the mid 1960s. Which from there, through the mid 1970s. There was a, a surfboard for the snow called the Snurfer. And between those 10 years, more than 1 million Snurfers were sold for $15 a piece. We'll see what you think about that since you sell them now for, we'll find out how much. But anyway, with all of that being said, um, what was your start in the sport of snowboarding? Funny enough, so in 1994-95, everyone I think that's listening now knows very well about ESPN's X Games. Um, So a group of my friends and I were watching the X Games one year, and they had featured snowboarding. So we're like, okay, well, let's try it out. So the next season we went, we tried it out. Um, We all enjoyed it. We had a blast. We met a lot of friends. Then we ended up being able to establish uh, enough friendship with a few people to where we had a place to stay. And then we started buying season passes. So then I started finding myself during my freshman college year, uh, I was in the mountain after class three days a week. So from there, it took off. Within my second season, I entered a contest and ended up finishing second in the first two, and then I won the last five contests, which allowed me to qualify for United States National Championships. So that kind of was the bug. and. That's an introduction to it, and then from there, I ended up getting board sponsorships, outerwear sponsorships, sunglass sponsorships, goggle sponsorships, um, and then here I am, you know, almost 20-some-odd years later, still within the industry, but more in the capacity of a, a manufacturer sales rep. 
Man, Chris, you jumped all over my conversation because I have so much of this written that I wanted to ask you like this, and I think you just answered it. How much has pop culture, comma, media, comma, and technology meant for the business of snowboarding? And just the way you'd explain that from watching television, the X Games, uh, and then, of course, you're in the industry now. And I know from these snurfers that they sold for $15 uh, back in the late 60s to what you're selling now. Tell us about how technology has changed, at least for the equipment, whether it be the board or whether it be the boots on the board. Well, uh, kind of twofold there. To answer your earlier question about or your statement about the snurfer, Burton Snowboards came out with a snurfer back in the late 70s. And those boards, if you find an original in the plastic, they go upwards of twelve to $14,000 if brand new, never touched. So that's one thing I wanted to touch on. Ooh. The second thing is with the snowboard technology from back then, you used to have to have uh, Sorel, you know, your normal Sorel outdoor boot, yep. which is still sold to this day. That was your snowboard boot. And then the bindings were kind of archaic. They were T-bolted into the board, and they just kind of strapped your feet on it, and that was the end of it. And then you fast forward to late 80s, early 90s, then you jump into more of a more modern binding that had a toe strap and an ankle strap. And what they call a high back for for when you lean back, you had some kind of strengthening there. And then now you've got upwards of 20 different manufacturers that sell comfortable, good bindings for every price point. Uh, and then Burton, of course, now has what they call the step on to where merely you literally put the boot on. It has three points of contact. You just step into the binding and you're done. So that technology has taken a long time over the years to kind of just get better. But there's been so many different variations over the years. And I think the biggest part of the, any of that, it is now more affordable for everyone. Because back then you had to have a, a specific amount of money in order to kind of buy into the sport, similar to skiing. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, and, I, and I looked some of the data up in the mid-1990s, right about the time – that you jumped into it, um, you know, you were, I guess, still a teenager, maybe in the in the you know early mid nineteen. I was 19, 19 years old, freshman year in college. Now, at that time, you weren't alone because that was the fastest growing winter sport on the planet, with more than six million people jumping in. Um, more than eighty percent of the youth participating in alpine sports. They're getting to choose their sport. 80% of them chose snowboarding. That trend continued all the way through the 2000s uh, before the ski industry innovation began to slow the tide with shape skis, uh, twin tip skis, fat skis, and all of that sort of thing. Does that mirror what you have seen along the line, including your trajectory? And, and after you answer that, we're going to talk about who is snowboarding now. I mean, I see that the trajectory back when I started, like, you know, we already stated. Yep. X Games had a lot to do with it. It was advertising. It was young. And then, you know, I'm, I'm Generation X. I'm 48 years old now. So, you know, we were very impressionable back then. We were grew up in the 80s with skating and some of the surfing and 
uh, and weren't that familiar, you know, because a lot of us in that group were five, six, four years old. So we didn't really know about snurfing and, and all these other things before us. So when that hit, it was kind of an extenuation of what we were already doing in the late 80s with skateboarding, and it just morphed into that. And to kind of further put a statement on it, then after that, then wakeboarding started to become popular, oh, and then we yes. kind of transcended into that because it was a board <laughs> sport, and it was on the water, and we could kind of extenue, extend the season into the summer. And then they went into wake skating, and now it's wake surfing. So all of that is relative to each other because pretty much any individual like myself that does the one thing, we're doing at least three uh-huh. or four out of the five or six things on a board sport that you can do. I'm glad you said that. I, I, I'm going to ask you a little bit about that, too. If you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, I'm your host, Bill Barty. Our guest, Chris Harden, with Southeast Territory Sales and a former professional snowboarder traveling the United States on that circuit. He's talking to us about the sport of snowboarding, which, um, Chris, actually, when you were coming through in the, in the 80s and 90s, a lot of the ski resorts would not allow snowboarding on there. Um, was it the popularity of the mid-1990s and into the 2000s that helped them reevaluate allowing snowboarders onto the, the snow of the resorts? I, I absolutely. Uh, you have to look at the growth of the sport. You have to look at what, you know, back then media was really doing, i.e. television, advertisements, um, marketing uh that you would see in store or saturday commercials for kids on cartoons ever how you want to look at it um but at the same time you know you have these resorts because you know i'm i'm very close and familiar with the the appalachian ski mountain they were one of the last ones to ever allow snowboarding in you know the state of north carolina you start looking how much dollar amounts they're losing by having that extra Mm -hmm. group of a young you know young sport come in um, so from that side of it, you know, that changed dramatically mid to late nineties, um, for us. Um, and then to this day now, I mean, that's, it's, you know, predominantly dominated, uh, in some regions of North Carolina, Virginia and West Virginia by snowboarders. Let me ask you, I'm going to say a couple of names and see if they have any correlation with Chris Harden in regards to the sport of snowboarding. Here's the first one. Tony Hawk. So Tony Hawk actually used to ride for Audio Footwear. And at the time, Audio Footwear and Planet Earth Outerwear and Rhythm Clothing were all the same company. I was a factory in-house team rider for the Planet Earth Snow Outerwear site. Uh, Never did have the opportunity to ever meet Tony, but we kind of rode for the same company. Uh, or was sponsored by them. Well, What's the next one? <laughs> well, and, and of course, he, as a professional skateboarder, I, I guess he, you answered it. I mean, he played, or his uh, genre played a large part in that growth during that time period with snowboarding. The, the, and he's, and I'm going to come to this because demographics is going to be a part of the next uh, half of our conversation with Chris Harden of Southeast Territory Sales. The next one is a man named Sean White. So, yes. Yeah, so, Sean, the first time I met Sean, Sean was 19 years old. 
We were in Telluride, Colorado for the United States National Championships. I want to say the year was 1997. Um, By that time, Sean had already turned pro, funny enough, at nine years old. Uh, anyone that's listening on uh, on the channel, uh, the Flying Tomato, you know who he is. <laughs> Everyone knows who he is. He's an Olympic, an Olympic athlete. Uh, so full circle to my career to date, um, I actually worked for Sean White and his ah. new venture with White Space Snowboards. Uh, he left Burton about three years ago. Uh, he runs it with his brother, Jesse. Uh, so, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of interesting how things land. Now I think so. Those are two influential pop culture mainstream uh, uh, people. Now I think Sean's thirty seven now, and as you mentioned, an Olympic athlete in in the sport of snowboarding, which was added um, during this growth period that we were talking about in the two thousands. I think he he uh, his last Olympics was in Beijing. Um, where he, he kind of said his farewell then. So with all of that, that being said, uh, there's a correlation between if you're 45 to 55 years of age now and you helped with this wave of popularity in the sport of snowboarding, um, what is the impact, I guess, on the rest of the winter uh, sports industry, namely skiing? Uh, and I, we talked off air a little bit because snowboarders many times will also ski, but rarely will a skier necessarily be a snowboarder. Can you speak to that? Correct. Correct. So, you know, in the group, the age group of which you just discussed, um, you know, we talked off air between 20, 2006 and 2008 or nine, two, almost two and a half million snowboarders were non-existent. Mm-hmm. They decreased that much. Now, in that same breath, this, those people who were snowboarders, man or woman, they're you know they were my age, my generation. Well, they had kids. Well, within those years, between zero and six, you had to justify whether or not you wanted to take your child and teach them how to ski or snowboard at two, or wait till six. If they had two children, they would wait till both of them were of age to start doing that. And then after, you know, 2009, 10, all the way up to 12, you started seeing an influx of the, um, the snowboarders coming back. However, it is easier for a family to teach a child how to ski first, to understand the movement, get used to the cold weather, than it is to put them on a snowboard. So that's when you would hear and we would say, you know, the snowboarders will go to the ski. Now, to this day, they still do both. But then they would put their child and allow them, or you know, the choice. Do you want to ski or snowboard? So they would give them both options. So, you know, we spoke offline or off air uh, at Appalachian Ski Mountain in Blowing Rock. Mostly every one of those kids up there are phenomenal snowboarders and phenomenal skiers, and they do both. You know, I have uh, actually this uh, weekend, I do a big air competition that is sponsored by Arbor Snowboards. I do it every year. I've done it for 15 years, almost half of that field will go compete in the snowboard event, but then go down to the mountain, (laughs) change into their skis, and then come do the ski side of the the event. So, yeah, so it's kind of cool to see it. It's not anything more of there's a stigmatism of, you know, disrespect. I mean, it's still there. It's never going to go away, but nothing like it used to be. Well, and like you said, uh, talking about your career and connections, it it all seems to have – 
you know, kind of come full circle and people who are participating in these sports aren't going to be limited necessarily to just one as you go from uh, ski to snowboard to uh, even wakeboarding or skateboarding as we add to these related uh, related sports for the people that are doing them. And, of course, you're talking about big air. Brings a whole other topic for another day. We'll get you <laughs> on here to talk about tricks and uh, versus timed events and, and all of that in the competition. But Chris Harden, Southeast Territory Sales, including – Saks underwear, including the brand new Roastmasters long underwear available over at Jesse Brown's. Tell us about your home mountain, Appalachian Ski Mountain, and the conditions of 2024 thus far. How are we looking up there? We're looking great. You know, on Monday morning, uh, funny enough, I was actually in Florida, uh, but I every morning I go ahead and check the uh, live cams. They got five inches of fresh snow. They've been able to have uh, great weather to, to make snow. The mountain is phenomenal. It's got, you know, great conditions right now. They have two terrain parks for ski and snowboard. They got some of the best food at a ski resort. Anything from barbecue ribs to chicken noodle soup, whatever whatever fits you. Um, cleanest bathrooms around. It's just a great mountain, great family atmosphere. And, I, you know, I think people would appreciate it. Uh, I do want to mention to your listeners, if you go there, it is now a cashless ski resort. Ah. So no more cash. Take your old credit card, your Apple Pay, some form yep. of payment in another way. And, of course, uh, I, I think it still goes Appalachian Ski. If you're in Mooresville or Charlotte, that may be the closest mountain for you to reach from our area as well. Hey, yep. Cr- Chris Harden. Southeast Territory Sales, thank you for jumping on and sharing your knowledge, your experience, your wisdom with us here on the Carolina Outdoors. We look forward to having you on again. All right, guys. I appreciate it, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. That's Chris Harden. Off he goes and off I go. But just for a moment, we're going to come back on the other side and do another segment. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.